Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we're taking a look at Everything Everywhere All at Once, the new film from Daniels. It's in theaters, and we're excited to talk about it. We're also looking at Morbius, uh, the the the... God, the film that's that's been making waves uh, is out. The superhero movie is is it's it's it sure is out, and we watched it. We're going to talk about it. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Oscars fallout since the last time we did the show. That was a Slap couple Gate. weeks ago. <laughs> Slapgate is lovingly is lovingly <laughs> referred to by Andy in the, in the show outline. Uh, we're going to talk about you know what's happened since then, some developments regarding Will Smith and Chris Rock and the Academy. Uh, and first, we need to get to the news and a bit of personal news. I'm under the weather this week, and I'm bummed because Andy thinks it's COVID, and it might be, and I hope it's not. I hope I don't have COVID, dude. I really, <laughs> I really, I really hope I don't have COVID. Uh, so I, I went to Las Vegas for a week uh, for work. It was not a lot of play, but obviously a lot of people in Las Vegas, planes, airports, uh, you know, hotels. We were we were around and. Uh, following that, I did another gig at a big hotel here, like the next day after uh, that evening. I went out with Andy and a couple of buddies to celebrate my birthday. Thanks again, Andy. It was a great time. Uh, and uh, then the next day, I woke up and felt crummy. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> like, I have a stuffy nose, a sore throat and a headache. Like, this isn't good. And I took a couple of COVID tests. I took one the day that day and I took another the next day because I was I was scared and they both came up negative. And I thought, that's fine. So I got on the show today to tell Andy, hey. I'm feeling under the weather. I might be a little low energy. And Andy says, well, you took your test too early. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. And now I'm scared again. So like, you know, <laughs> thanks, man. Um, let, yeah, let I hope I take you. <laughs> my point is, yeah, I, I'm if you can't hear it in my voice, I'm feeling a little under the weather. So I, I, I'm going to push through. We're going to do the show. But if towards the last half, if I'm if I'm real low energy, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm doing my best. With that being said, we need to get to the news. Uh, our first story this week, Gilbert Gottfried, comedian and Aladdin star, dies at 67. This happened just before the show. This news came out. Uh, a real bummer, man. This guy. Has been doing comedy for a really long time. Has been a lot, a lot of character bit, character, character actor. That's what I'm looking for. A lot, a lot of good bits in movies. Aladdin is obviously notable uh, for Iago, the evil parrot, toucan. Parrot, yeah. <laughs> not, yeah. Uh, but otherwise, you know, um, uh, a bit of a bummer here. Andy, what do you, what do you know about Gilbert Gottfried? I mean, just kind of an icon of American comedy, and uh, had a lot of iconic roles. In film, not just uh, Iago. He was in a number of movies in in the early '90s. Kind of, uh, I think, "Look Who's Talking" to "Problem Child." Um, he was on SNL uh, in in the '80s. He 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 had like a full season run on SNL. Uh, so he's one of the one of the few comedians to kind of make that jump from comedy into film and TV. And you know, he's had a very long and storied uh, film career. And was you know kind of known for it very abrasive, not only his voice but his his jokes, and uh, he he definitely didn't didn't pull pull punches. Yes, uh, his voice was definitely abrasive. He's that guy that was really loud, right? He he was the Aflac duck for a while. Uh, so if you remember the Aflac duck, Aflac, then that's you know Gilbert Gottfried. Um, but you know he's abrasive. Abrasive is definitely right. Uh, you know, he he was one of the first stand-up comedians to crack onstage jokes about 9-11, uh, immediately following it three weeks after 9-11. He made his first public 9-11 joke, something about he wanted to catch a flight, a direct flight from New York to California, but they said they had to stop at the Empire State Building first or something like that. Uh, people were like, too soon. <laughs> no, dude. Um, but, you know, puts him on the map. He also lost his job as the Aflac Duck in 2011 for making jokes about uh, the earthquake and subsequent tsunami in uh, Japan. 
really quick after that happened, I think it was like days after that happened, uh, he was cracking jokes about it. Um, so he was definitely known for being crass, but also, you know, for being in a lot of movies and for being, it seems like a pretty good dude. I don't know if he, I don't think he was ever like embroiled in scandal. And if he was, I don't think I heard about it. Um, though there's some, there's some, you know, debate on whether or not the voice was real. Howard Stern had a great bit where he had like a voicemail that G- Gilbert Godfrey called his producer. He'd play it back and it was like totally normal Gilbert Godfrey. He's like, you're not really at the, I don't know, but. They were also friends. Could have been a bit. Either way. Any favorite Gottfried performances, Andy? Just put you right on the spot. Um, I, I mean, I, I think what I know him best as is Iago from yeah. Aladdin. I can't think of. I mean, but the thing is, he was just the kind of guy that he would be in everything. Like, he's done a lot of, like, cartoon. Lots of TV. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, Lots of little TV bits. And animated. Animated. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Boys, I, show I, up I don't, and I don't really have. And, yeah. Yeah. I don't have, like, a necessarily a favorite um but yeah just someone who's i mean he's been working for a long a really long time yeah like had a whole basically his whole life has been in entertainment it's a bummer obviously you know uh thoughts for his family and uh, keep it on off script for more uh next up bruce willis is stepping away from his acting career following his diagnosis of aphasia uh so this was kind of rumored do, uh, do we ever talk about this on the show andy because this was there were, there were rumors swirling about this just a few weeks ago, and I don't know if we ever like formally addressed it as news. No, we didn't. I think this came up. This came out in the interim. Um, uh, but apparent. Oh, for those who don't know, uh, aphasia is a um, degenerative brain disease where you slowly kind of lose your abil- abilities with language and being able to both speak but also in- interpret. Um, and th- there's v- many different kinds, and kind of depending on which kind you have, it might be possible to kind of stop its progression, but for a lot of times it is just kind of perpetually de- degenerative. Yeah. Uh, it's a bummer, right? I, I think everybody's saddened to hear this. Uh, Bruce Willis obviously is the star of many, many beloved American films, uh, na- namely Die Hard, right? The the film that kind of broke him out and away from everything else and spawned a, I mean, a revival of the genre. I think like Die Hard is <laughs> like a staple. I mean, people, the, 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 the movies that came out of, the people that like Die Hard are are uh, vast and deep, and there's a lot of basically he's a big deal. So it's a bummer, right? It's a bummer to hear this. Uh, recently, he's been <laughs> seen. It shouldn't be funny. I shouldn't laugh at this, but he's he's been making a bunch of movies for Redbox, uh, uh, turning a profit over there, making kind of small time movies. He's been seen wearing an earpiece in films uh, when he did a Broadway play. I think he did Misery. He was wearing an earpiece and he was being fed lines at the time. That's when these rumors started to swirl that hey, he's not just lazy, he's losing his memory. Uh, and that seems to be uh, a bit of the case. So uh, a bummer, man. Uh, but, you know, hey, like <laughs> not necessarily a bad way to go, like in, in in a soft light that I think everybody looks at you with respect and says, hey, man, like you did a great job here. You go enjoy your life and do your thing and spend time with your family, you know, like so much worse than like some horrific story about about a fatality in a car car wreck or something. So, you know, like uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think people think fondly of Bruce Willis. Yeah, yeah, he's he's definitely yeah, yeah beloved American I- icon. He's been yeah, again working for 35 40 years in in Hollywood and uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, keep it, you know, that's because I keep it here on off script for more. I got to come up with something else to say besides that at the end of each news story because it gets old really fast. Uh, Our last story, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is swinging with a $72 million uh, (laughs) premiere, $72 million opening weekend at the box office. Meanwhile, Michael Bay's Ambulance, M-U-L-A-Ance, is 
not doing so good. Uh, Andy, I'm going to be honest. What's going on at the box office? What's 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 about this? A huge win for Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which came in at $72 million. Uh, that's a massive opening for a family film. Family films have really struggled in the pandemic era or post-pandemic era, however you want to look at it. Uh, huge win and also made more money than its uh, first movie. So we're definitely going to get a, th- a third film, uh, maybe a series at, at some point. Really good uh, takeoff. Uh, Michael Bay's uh, Ambulance uh, did terrible and came open to uh, just $8 million oh. uh, in 3,500 or 3,400 uh, theater. So it's pretty massive uh, bomb there. And uh, Michael Bay just uh, maybe is just like a maybe a lost taste or something. Maybe this would have been better on Netflix. Yeah, um, I. It's funny. The more I hear about this movie, the more I'm simultaneously less and and also like more intrigued by it. Less interested, more intrigued. Um, I hear. I keep hearing it's really bad, but I also hear it has really great drone footage um, because Michael Bay hired uh, like one of the fastest drone racers in the world to do a bunch of drone coverage of these like you know car chase scenes, and apparently it's really cool to see on the big screen. So like I think I don't know. I I, I am curious to see what's going on there. So uh, probably not enough to go see it though. We haven't watched it for this show yet, at least. Um, <sighs> Are you surprised it's bombing, Andy? I like I'm a little no. surprised. I think you're not. Okay. Well, I. I, th- I thought it it might find a little bit of an audience because you know it's an action film. They generally tend to, tend to do good, and yeah. I mean it does have all the Michael Michael Bay isms. There's explosions and car chases and cars cars exploding, uh, all that. But um, from what what I understand, it's it's super long. It's like two hours and twenty minutes, so it's way too long. Um, it's very cliche. Like if you, if you've seen the trailer, you've seen the whole movie. Yeah, and uh, it's yeah, it's just I mean it's super mediocre, and audiences will not come out for mediocre. You have to bring a hit every time. Like it, you know, gone are the days of casually strolling into the to the theater of like, oh, let's just see what's playing. Like people don't do that. If like they, they are audiences are only going out for very like select features. Yeah, and I think you know there, there's this there's this trope that like audiences just want like dumb dumb theater right like they want dumb don't have to think about it munch my popcorn movies you think of things like fast the fast and furious series and you think that that kind of applies but it doesn't like because to enjoy the fast and furious movies usually after you've seen at least a few of the previous ones you gotta have a little bit of like nostalgic investment the same goes for superhero movies comic book movies marvel movies star wars like people want jurassic park like people want to go see things that they at least know a little bit about and feel like they can be at least a little a little met intellectually to come out with something new, like that's just action oriented, that doesn't look like it has a lot going on uh, at that level, it doesn't really work. I'm reminded of like Roland Emmerich's Moonfall, like that came out, and like people didn't even know that came out in theaters. And that's from the director of Independence Day, you know, like that should have been at least mildly like a bump on the needle. And 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 this movie kind of falls in the same space. It's weird because so many of the current movie going audience now is males. Uh, specifically in like the action age range. That's a big reason why superhero movies are popular right now because that's a lot of who's going to see movies. It's also why The Lost City doing really well is a bit of a surprise and a good thing because it's saying, hey, rom-coms coming back. Ladies are coming back to the movie theaters. That's good. Um, But it's it's just, it's odd to see 
movies that used to work, right? Big action set pieces like a Michael Bay feature or a Roland Emmerich movie totally fall in the crack of what should otherwise be like a fine plateau for them to stand on. You know, it's just a little strange. I, I almost feel like that kind because it looks like old Michael Bay movies like Bad Boys or like that kind of era Transformers and that's a different kind of action and much more grounded. It's not yeah. superhero action. And I almost feel like superhero movies have ruined action scenes in that, in that sense that like you, you can't just do a car chase and like flip, flip a car. You got to have like a guy throwing a, at a, a car at another guy, something like that. You kind of have to up the action or do something really inventive because that kind of stuff is just of another time. It's kind of boring now. Yeah, and it, you can't be too gimmicky either, and that's the problem, right? Like Moonfall, we're 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 dropping the moon on the world, ooh, and it's kind of gimmicky, right? And then Michael Bay's ambulance, he doesn't really advertise the drone footage a lot, but even to hear it, like a whole lot of drone footage is not a good movie make, you know? Like that can be neat to see, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be great. Uh, Hardcore Henry, that first person uh, action film, didn't do that awesome, and you'd think, oh, that's something new and different, like not necessarily. Um, it's hard to say what exactly current moviegoers want to see in an action movie, but it seems like Michael Bay and Roland Super, Emmerich, man, they're on the they're on the wagon out. Yeah, like they gotta, <laughs> they yeah, gotta but get that, back you on know, it. That's a great comparison, uh, Ambulance and Moonfall, because those are both like action movies that you used to see thirty years ago. Yeah, um, like and they would have done fine completely, at the box com- office, completely out of place today. And yeah, you. Those are your dino. You're making dinosaur movies, man. You gotta, yeah. you gotta update. You gotta do. And it's gotta else. be, it's gotta be especially painful for Michael Bay because he had so much success with the Transformers movies, even though he rode them into the freaking ground and made like six of them. Anytime he tried to break out and make like Pain and Gain, which was otherwise a really good movie, Pain and Gain's like one of my favorite Michael Bay films. Um, nobody cared. Nobody cared about Pain and Gain, and like nobody really went and saw it. It didn't make much of a bump, and now he's away from Transformers. It's the same thing. Like if you don't have that IP at the center of what you're doing people just don't seem to care that much and i don't know maybe it's in marketing you know they could have done more to push ambulance out in front but like otherwise people just aren't that interested you know it's weird so yeah <laughs> that's the that's the way it find is, a I new guess. gimmick michael bay yeah. find it yeah get it get it get a get a get a job sir um with that we should move into our first formal review uh we didn't actually work it out for the episode andy you want to take the summary for this one or morbius um I, i'll take morbius Oh, okay, that's fair. <laughs> all right, all right. That's that's completely fair. Uh, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Uh, let me get my thoughts together and introduce our next film. Uh, I'm very excited to talk about this one. Uh, this is a feature I've been looking forward to for a little while. I remember the first time any I saw a trailer, I thought that looks dumb and wacky and like it's not going to work. Uh, and then every time I saw this trailer after, I thought, you know, actually, hold on. <laughs> so, wait a second. Something here seems like it might work. It's a film from Daniels, uh, the directing duo behind Swiss Army Man uh, in 2016, which was actually really kind of profound, even though it was a really small first feature. Um, you know, it's it's got Michelle Yeoh in it, who's awesome, and I'm excited to see her. It's got this weird kind of multiverse story behind it, and I can't wait to find out what, that, what that's about. And there's kung fu in it. And there's comedy and there's all kinds of wacky things. And it's hard to describe what exactly is going on in this movie. So I think we should just jump right into the view. Uh, This is our review for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. This is Wang. This is Wang. Mrs. Wang, are you with us? I am paying attention. So Everything, Everywhere, All at Once is the story of... 
Evelyn Wang, uh, who owns a laundromat uh, with her husband and daughter. Uh, Evelyn is struggling to stay afloat. Uh, the, she's got her dad in town who expects the most from her because they're a very traditional Chinese family. Uh, her husband is a kind of fixer-upper who just is not a very exciting individual in her life. The, the laundromat's fallen apart, and her, her daughter is gay and has a girlfriend who she does not understand. Uh, on top of all that, they've got to get their tax forms filed. So when they arrive at the tax office to talk to their tax consultant at the IRS, uh, Evelyn is surprised to find that her husband is not who he says he is and is actually a agent from a multiverse of dimensions who has arrived in this dimension to uh, recruit Evelyn as a warrior of the multiverse, to save the universe as we know it, uh, to do things so much more important than what Evelyn is currently doing in her life and saving her laundromat and her family. Uh, it is a two and a half hour movie. It is a wild ride. I'm so excited to talk about it in this show. Andy, what did you think of Everything Everywhere All at Once? I was trying, really trying not to oversell this when I first told you guys about it, but I thought this movie was absolutely amazing. Just it it really knocked my socks off. It it's yeah. so it's so original, but also very inspired by a lot of uh, kind of other things we we've seen. Um, at its heart, it's this family drama about generational trauma, about you know, kind of acceptance of of who who we are and not not regretting too much of the past. While also all this is kind of seen and and displayed through this. In insane sci-fi uh, concept of kind of skipping through the multiverse or, you know, tapping into other versions of yourself in other places and kind of down... It actually reminded me of The Matrix a little bit. Um, but it was just unreal. Just incredible visuals, great soundtrack, and really heartwarming kind of family drama. I mean, it's unlike anything I, I've really ever, ever seen, and I, I really liked it. Yeah, uh, I feel the same way. This this movie is is top ten film of the year material. This, this movie's probably probably get a nomination for best picture. Like, uh, and if it doesn't, it'll be because it's either too weird, well, or it's too far away from next year's Academy Awards, and people will yeah. forget because that happens. Like with stuff that comes out way early. <laughs> so yeah, hopefully. it definitely. I'll tell you right now, it definitely should be on there. Uh, people will yeah. probably forget about it. Come on, people come will on probably forget season. about it. Um, yeah, which which is is terrible, but that that's that's a bridge we'll cross when we get to it. Uh, for now, everything everywhere all at once is is a really tremendous feature. Uh, this this is a movie. For, this is a film for filmmakers, right? This is this, but also a film I think for people who just want something different at the movies. Like it's so creative in its presentation. Uh, our directors uh, Daniels are actually a team of uh, two wonderful men named Daniel Daniel Skiner and Dan Daniel Kwan, uh, who are from two very different parts of the world, uh, who met in film school and liked working together and they made Swiss Army Man. They wrote it and they, they made it and it was really odd and really weird um, but really well received for what it was and they haven't done anything together in a few years. Uh, that was in 2016. They've been doing music videos and shorts and their own thing uh, and they came back together to make this movie. They wrote and directed it together. Um, it is really something else. <laughs> it's yeah, it's a story about you know uh, being yourself and being proud of yourself like regardless of who you are and and being weird and and that being okay and 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 loving each other and kindness, but also like kung fu <laughs> and like yeah. crazy visuals crazy and like yeah. radical soundtrack and insane sound editing and really brilliant costumes and really tremendous makeup. There's so many good things happening in this movie. Like it's so crazy. 
every every metric I feel like that, that, that it require is required to make a good movie. This movie is like just checking them off like boxes. Like it, they make it look easy. Like how well some of these scenes are done, and it's not on a tremendous budget. Like it didn't cost. I, I don't I don't know how much it costs to make this movie, but a lot of it's pretty simple. It's <laughs> pretty basic sets. Uh, and pretty basic, basic like props, but like really great camera work and really great coloring and really great cinematography, like really pull this together into something really tremendous. Uh, I think the best place to start is probably performances, right? Uh, so let's start there. We have a small cast in this movie. Uh, really, we have the 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 Wang family, which is hold on, let me get my top cast up. We've got Michelle Yeoh's Evelyn Wang. Uh, IMDb wants me to sign in. The I, Andy. Look. Do you have an yeah, IMDb I get, account? I get, I, do you? <laughs> no, <laughs> do you, no, do you participate have, in this? I don't. I never will, by no. God. Anyway, go ahead. We have uh, Michelle Yeoh as Evelyn Wang, uh, Stephanie Hsu as Joy Wang, her uh, her daughter, um, who I, I don't think is a spoiler to say, who is also in the multiverse version is the villain of the story as well, uh, named Jobu Tabaki. Uh, her husband, Kahoi Kwan, better known as Short Round, uh, made famous from Indiana Jones and the Temple, the of, Temple, Doom Temple and of Doom. Thank the you. And yes, he played Data, who who took a, a long break from from acting, um, and who's phenomenal in this film. I, I'm just surprised he he hasn't done uh, thing things. Uh, James Hong plays uh, the grandfather uh, Gong Gong, and then. <laughs> There, there's so there are so many jokes in this. By the way, it's it's not marketed as a comedy, and it is hilarious. Uh, it's hilarious. But there's and I, I won't go into this. But there's uh, he's Kahui Kwan is credited as, as Waymond Wang, which is a joke in itself. Jamie Lee Curtis is also in this. Uh, she's she's the uh, um ta- kind of tax person who's also kind of a vi- villain. Her name is De- Deirdre Bo Deirdre. Uh, Deirdre, <laughs> Deirdre Bo Deirdre. Deirdre. I love it. So that's what I mean. Like, there's God. jokes within even the. Uh, so uh, this this is the, the the main cast, and it it's from. I mean, Michelle Yeoh's always uh, she's always good. She's she was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, phenomenal actress. Like I said, Kohoi Kwan is really the standout because you're like, wow, I have, you know haven't seen this guy in twenty thirty years in a real film, and and he's amazing. The he's daughter, great. yeah, slash villain is also uh, incredible as as well. Yeah, I was really impressed by our cast. Michelle Yeoh, I've always known, is obviously really fantastic at what she does. But, like, nobody could have done this job better than her. Like, for what this character is, which is an older, like, Chinese woman, like, who's who's struggling to deal with her family, but also has to be action-oriented and... Right. And funny. Like, she's very funny in this movie. Like, multiple laughs play off of what she's doing. And, like, I don't remember the last time I was laughing a bunch at a Michelle Yeoh performance. Like, I didn't know she could be funny, you know? Like, I, I, I get to see, like, sides of her that I didn't I didn't expect her to be able to play so well. Additionally, yeah, like, her, her daughter, Stephanie Sue, a bit of a newcomer, fantastic, really great confidence on screen, despite some of the crazy outfits and hairstyles and makeup they've got her in. Like, she plays it like it's nothing. Kehi Kwan is is tremendous. I it's like it's like he hopped in a time machine for thirty years and got back out and he's just as good as he used to be. Like he hits the emotional beats where he needs to. Like he's funny. He's got some action choreography in there. Like tremendous. 
tremendous tremendous acting direction uh from these two uh directors like i i i'm stunned at how well they get this these characters to work within their world because in the world of, of everything ever all at once obviously you have a lot of universes multiverses you have lots of different evelyn wangs and lots of different women wangs and lots of different joys uh and lots of different gong gongs and and these characters have to kind of bounce between different versions of themselves, almost turning on a dime, usually within scenes, uh, very quickly from one to another. And it's a it's a clever blend of performance and editing and direction, like that makes it work so good. At times when you feel the most jostled, it's because our characters feel the most jostled. When you feel the most safe and grounded in the movie, it's when our characters feel the safest and grounded. Like it, it brings you grounded. It brings you <laughs> along for the ride in a way. That is so great because like it's so rare that a movie that's original that doesn't build on anything new like I was just talking about in our last segment uh, can grab you and like pull you in like this one does. Um, it's it's so it's like a roller coaster. Yeah, it, it, it's it's really incredible. And that really I think we need to get into the plot a, a little bit more. Um, so, so we have this very crazy, crazy movie. It, it reminded me a little bit of, uh, uncut gems in that it was just really stressful. Cause there's like 10 things going on. Comes at you at, fast. Yeah. At once. But our, it really has a heart in this inter family drama. Uh, actually a little bit, uh, similar to Dakota, which I finally watched. Um, Michelle Yeoh and her husband are pos are contemplating a, a divorce. They, and it's not so much that they d don't kind of get along or they they fight it's just uh th their life in general is incredibly chaotic like the the laundromat is kind of upside down it's not they're you know behind on their taxes all these things he and it, it appears he doesn't really take it seriously or he doesn't really not isn't super helpful or you know he's off not doing things that are helping to contribute to that so there's a lot of tension there again her relationship with her daughter's equally stressed where uh her daughter is gay and out and she's not super comfortable with that and she's super, definitely not comfortable telling their grandfather her father who who's coming uh to visit uh, as well so there's just like huge family stress huge work stress you know the the uh laundromat itself is kind of dilapidated not working so this is where the environment we find our character when an alternate version of her husband come comes basically pulls her into the multiverse and says no you got to focus on this you you got to save the world yeah and it's it's got a unique plot device where the most <laughs> the most successful way for a character to jump between multiverses and everything ever all at once uh, and to access other versions of themselves is to do something that's completely unexpected in the universe you're in. Almost like a Mary Poppins gag, right? Do something funny, do something weird, do something crazy, and magic will happen. Uh, so we have our characters doing things that are completely out of place within the normal universe. Uh, you know, flicking each other's noses or doing like Three Stooges bits or doing things that are, are incredibly crass, but really funny. I, I don't want to give any of them away. Like, I, I think the less you know about the kind of later parts of the film, the better. Yeah. But my uh -huh. God, like it gets so creative and childish and sophomoric, but also whimsical, like in, in its like moving of the plot forward by having our characters do goofy things to access additional information about themselves, like the Matrix, right? Growing your set of skills by, by, by jacking into a deeper, right. A deeper. Right. That's, that's a really interesting, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a really interesting thing to talk about. It's just, what is our sci-fi Yeah. I was going to say, what are, what is our sci-fi premise? And that's that uh you know there is these people come essentially from what's called the alpha verse um 
who have discovered multiverse jumping and uh, they, they've been searching through all the multiverses for like the one Evelyn who's, who's going to save them. And, uh, you know, we discover that, you know, you, you can jump to nearby or, you know, acquire skills from nearby people. But again, you have to do something kind of weird and offbeat to, um, to, to do that, to channel that. Uh, and it, you can also kind of, manipulate time or time can kind of slow down as you do these things and what i like about this movie it doesn't get too much into the weeds past that like it it does it's not trying to write a rule book of this is exactly how this works you just kind of get like this is what you got to do to kind of channel another person and then we eventually get these amazing sequences where a number of characters are channeling multiple versions of, of themselves in an instant you know particularly the the antagonist villain Jobu Tabaki, who is when she shows up, she's kind of untouchable because she can so quickly like jump through people in the, in the multiverse, like no one can hurt her. Yeah, uh, I think additionally, like on, on top of like our characters doing wacky things in the current setting they're in, which is this IRS office where where a lot of the kind of it's where where basically the core plot takes place, but then you start spreading out into other settings as well, because as our characters are jumping between different identities of themselves, they're jumping in between different worlds, right? And one one in which uh, Evelyn is a movie star who knows kung fu, and another in which she <laughs> is a hibachi chef uh, with a with a coworker who's got a really odd something about him that you, you, you kind of come to find out later in the movie. Like these other universes where it's just just like our world, except our characters are a little different. And they something something else in the world is very different. There's usually something in one of these universes that is drastically different from our current world. But the point is, each one of these universes is supposed to come from every moment in Evelyn's life where she made a decision that led her to where she's at now. Because every disappointment and every rejection and every failure that Evelyn's ever experienced led her to being the Evelyn Wang who's at the IRS office getting audited over her laundromat. But if she'd gone a different way, if she hadn't stuck with her husband right after college, or if she hadn't moved to America, if she hadn't done this, then she would have gone on to be successful. And it turns into this wonderful story about how you can embrace like the decisions that got you to where you are as an opportunity to become something more and not just regret what you could have been. And it's really tremendous because Daniels, just like Swiss Army Man, managed to craft a script that disarms you with like this childish kind of notion, right? These, these, these goofy pranks and these funny things and silly things that our characters are doing on screen to access deeper parts of themselves. By the time you get to the third act of the film, like suddenly you've got like an emotional uppercut that you didn't see coming. And the film brings almost to a standstill at certain points, like to, 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 to remain poignant and have these moments of like true emotional depth where our characters really say something profound and present an ideology that, that, really i think is the point of the whole movie and it's it's great it's really great and and i can't believe how well it works because you don't know where it's going every moment in this movie i had no idea where the roller coaster was headed right like no clue nothing is predictable about, about what's happening and everything ever all at once if anybody watches this movie and says oh i figured i knew where the ending was going but like, you're wrong you had no idea <laughs> like there's, yeah. a, there's no way you could like they, and that's what makes it so exciting they just don't make movies like this right now it's great it's it's, mm-hmm. it's like one of a kind yeah, it, it reminds me of kind of older adventure films from like the 80s, actually things like like The Goonies itself, where, you know, kind of Joe Average is you, you're here to save the world. Uh, the Matrix, like we mentioned, even things like The NeverEnding Story, where it's like normal person in a fantastical setting. Other heavy influence, influences from uh, things like Kung Fu Hustle. Yeah, uh, for sure. And that's the other thing. The action in this is top notch. Like there's a number of fight scenes because the, the number I mean, similar to, to the Matrix and the first place everyone learns 
to jump to is the Kung Fu multiverse where everyone has learned. And it's great because there's this like montage of Michelle Yeoh, like getting beat up in an alley, then learn it, then getting protected by a Kung Fu master and then training all her life and becoming, you know, a star in, in that. And so we, we get like top notch, like Hong Kong level uh, Kung Fu action throughout all of it, as well as other kinds of, you know, I don't, I don't think we really have shootouts uh, per se, but it's, I mean, t- there was a ton of action choreography um, that's really I- impressive. And it's, you know, it's not really marketed as as that kind of film. Uh, so it's just really awesome. Yeah, the fights are great. There's there's a couple fight scenes in particular. Like, I wanted to start clapping at the, at the end of them just because I was like, yes, like that is what fight scenes are supposed to feel like. Like, it's great. Uh, fun fact about those. I can't find their names on the IMDb page, but I follow uh, both of the Daniels on Twitter now because I was excited about this movie. Someone looked them up. Um, they met their their uh, choreographer, their fight choreographers on YouTube. They 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 found their YouTube channel and they were two 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 guys similar to them who were choreo- choreographing fights from kung fu movies and had like film reels of like, hey, here's some fight scenes we made. So they hired them to do it, and it took off. And they they did this movie and it was huge. And since then, those two are going on to get offers from other studios, which is bananas. So yeah, YouTube choreographers put together the fights in this movie. Crazy. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I don't know how much more I want to say about this. I feel like we talked about it a lot and I don't want to, I don't want to spill beans as you, as you know. So Andy, what, what do you think? Any other thoughts before we yeah, wrap what? this thing up? No, I'm in the, I'm in the same, same boat. Yeah. There's definitely don't want to say too much, too much about this. Um, I think I'm ready for recommendations. Uh, I think I am as well. Uh, Andy, would you recommend everything everywhere all at once? Absolutely. This this is one of the most original films I've seen in a long time. One of the best movies I've seen in probably several years. Um, it, it has fan fantastic action, heartwarming story. It's you know take your average or or kind of normal a twenty four family drama and put it into a really insane sci fi uh, setting, and you you have this movie. But great performances, good action, amazing score by a uh, Sun Lux, uh, I believe. And uh, yeah, I just really uh, enjoy this and I, I can't wait to see it again. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. This movie's super good. Uh, if you have the opportunity, please go see this at a theater. Um, <laughs> it's funny. I had a buddy after I, I tweeted. I saw this last night and tweeted it. And, and hey, I, I watched this movie. And it's super good. Go see it. He said, you know, me and my girlfriend this weekend, we're talking about going to see one of a few things. He said, we're either going to see Sonic 2, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent or this movie. What do you think I should go see? Unfortunately, the girlfriend hopped in before I could get to it and was like, hey, I think we should go see this movie because I hear it's really good. And I agree. Like, I don't know about what else is at the movies right now, right? I haven't seen everything else. I can tell you what I think those movies are going to be about. But but this one, this is something different. This is a unicorn in a forest, man. Like, you don't you don't see movies like this. Like, this reminds me of... I don't know adaptation or like Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> like, this is just like is this like a white horse breakaway. What is this film kind of movie? Like I I think you should absolutely try to catch this in the theater as soon as possible. Super good movie. Um, everything I ever wrote once, and that's uh, that's that. Uh, next up, we should move on to our middle segment. Uh, this is the death of cinema. Uh, you know I had my. <laughs> banners and you might help me out i'm a little disorganized over here uh sure it's time for the death of cinema uh we're gonna be talking about slapgate 
which is the uh, incident of Will Smith uh, slap Chris Rock, slap her around the world, um, and all the, in the kind of fallout and what's happened uh, since then. We have a, a number of of uh, articles here to talk about, um, and we're going to go kind of from oldest to most recent. Uh, number one is Netflix backs away from Will Smith film Fast and Loose. So Will Smith. About four or five days after the uh, Oscars, a number of Will Smith helmed or centered projects immediately went to the back burner from major players, Netflix, Disney, Paramount, everyone uh, just kind of backing off him, which is uh, as predicted here on off script, because there's got to be fallout for for that kind of uh, thing. And so that's no surprise. Um, Not long after that, Will Smith himself fully resigned uh from from the academy calling his behavior inexcusable he also apologized to chris rock formally via uh instagram <laughs> i guess that's formal and no, then yeah. finally yeah finally uh the film academy officially banned will smith from the oscar ceremony for 10 years meaning he uh cannot attend the oscar ceremony uh but he can still be nominated and win awards which is kind of doesn't make sense to me but <laughs> So wow. that's that's our major developments. Uh, Zach, what are your thoughts? So this, this is a challenging topic um, for a couple of reasons. And, and Andy and I are frankly a little disconnected from a lot of the uh, likely very personal reasons that Will Smith got up and smacked Chris Rock. Uh, so I can't speak towards any of that stuff, right? I know there's a lot of rumors and speculation on the internet. Um, I don't know, man. Like... <laughs> There's a lot of theories about his relationship status with his wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, and how they interact with one another. There was an Instagram video that came out from her about him. There was like it just I don't know, man. Like I, I don't know about that. Um what I what I do believe, and this is this is even contentious in my own home, because my 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 wife is is a bit of a, a Will Smith fan and she's like, you know, both sides are wrong. Whatever. Everybody's got opinions. And I, I don't want to. I don't want to ruffle feathers. It's all saying big disclaimer. I don't want to ruffle feathers. But, dude, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think. I, I don't think you can assault people uh, on on national television, like ba- basically for no good reason. Like even if you're really upset about something they said, you shouldn't do that. And and the Academy holds themselves to some kind of standard, even if these are the people that let in Woody Allen and Roman Polanski. I'm not saying they always do the right thing. I'm saying I think they have an obligation to respond to this as a business, right? Like in some capacity, the 10 year ban, I think, is a bit of a surprise to me. Um, I didn't I don't know if I thought it was going to blow over. But the fact is, like, he's still eligible for rewards. So it's weird that they're like, well, you can't come here for 10 years, but we will still put your name on our envelopes and we will fundamentally promote you as a winner if you do win, because that's how they work. So it's just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that, I don't think one, I don't think either hand shakes either hand there. Like, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but yeah, it's, it feels it's middling. Little... And then I have thoughts on the films getting delayed as well, but what do you think of that so far? I mean, it's just, yeah. So as far as the ban, uh, I think it's a little, it's too little too late, um, he should not have been allowed to stay at the ceremony. He should not have been allowed to collect his award. And I agree with speech. that. Yeah. I think that that's really what it comes out to. It's like anything you do is going to be pointless at, at this point. Um, you should have, re- you know, responded immediately. And there are very conflicting reports. Uh, you know, uh, someone, some people are saying, yes, we did ask him to leave. He refused. Other people are saying, well, he didn't, he wasn't really asked to leave or he was asked, you know, it's like, did security and police ask him to leave or did, you know, a producer and a headset and microphone say, Hey, Hey man, do you th- think you maybe should get out of here? Like, um, 
the, but it seems like that, you know, if you were going to do anything, it needed to be the night of right at, as it happened. And, and honestly, they probably just didn't have any, any contingency plan for this because like, why would you? Yeah. Um, but like, now why, they will. Uh, yeah. I mean, and, they, and I think that, yeah, I think that was the big, there's a big issue of the night is that they just had no idea what to do. Right. Like there's, there's a lot of rumors going that way. Uh, a, a board member of the Academy told the Hollywood reporter that, uh, somebody asked Will Smith to leave right after it happened. Two other people said, nope, nobody asked him to leave. Like, so even within the Academy, nobody knows exactly what happened. Nobody's got a clear answer. Um, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think he should have been quickly asked to, not even asked really. They should have been like, Mr. Smith, it's been a great night. Let's get you to your car. Like that's, this isn't going to be a question. Like, I, I don't think he should have got up and accepted it. Uh, people, people don't accept their Academy Awards all the time. Like, and I know he's just there and that happened, but they could have easily been like, you know, we, Will, Will Smith isn't here to accept the award tonight, like 20 minutes. <laughs> it would have been fine. Like, I think, I think that would have been a better answer to this. And then you could work out if he comes back next year or not. Like that would have been the more immediate punishment for what happened. This, this 10 year thing is, is up in the air. As for people who there, I've seen at least a lot of people on Twitter saying, well, this, his movie's getting paused is, is ridiculous and unfair. And his studio is making a bigger deal of, of what it is. A brief aside, like I, I, I'm again not not defending the hit, not defending that. Like I just like if imagine if you were making a movie, it costs a lot of money to make a movie. Like <laughs> you don't want you who Will Smith, who's going to be your lead, because that's how Will Smith works. He just won a Best Picture, you know. He just won Academy Award for for Best Actor. Like he's going to be your lead in that movie. You never want your lead in your movie embroiled in scandal in any capacity. Like they're not stopping the movies. I don't. I don't think this is going to kill his career at all. Like I, he will. He will be in. He will continue to be in films and will be fine. Um, but well, that's you know. That's kind I, of my... I get. I get the pause. Like if you were putting a bunch of money down on a big investment and right before you did it, some horrible thing happened. You'd be like, wait a second, let me think about. It. That's all. Like I, I think that. I think that's an okay position, and I still think he will have a career. I don't think, yeah, he's not going to be in shambles or anything. Like, I, there's no way. There's no way. So, so yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Like, there's, um, it'll cool off eventually. Yes. he'll get come back into the good graces. Yep. Um, these things again. So it's been pointed out. Like, they can't take away his Oscar because Harvey Weinstein still has his Oscars. Roman Polanski still have his has his Oscar. Like these people who are literally criminals um so they're not about to do that uh and yeah that makes and this happens all the time i mean uh like fan, the latest fantastic beast movie was delayed a lot because of having to replace johnny depp for you know his issues with concerning amber heard and things like that um i want to talk about the ban a little bit so 10-year ban they're not going to take his oscar uh they he is still eligible for to receive and win awards he just cannot go to the ceremony uh this is one of those things that looks harsh but really isn't i mean banning him from the oscars like banning me for the gym i was like i didn't want to go anyways uh but also you can undo a ban in any time like in it's say three let's say in three years five years will smith is just i don't know been really gotten in, in people's graces the, you know eventually talk before i guarantee you before this 10 years is up there will be talk of like well maybe it's time to forgive will smith and and let him back in you know and, and like i guarantee he's not gonna be bad for, for the full 10 years you can lift it anytime yeah uh, i'm i'm pretty firmly in the same boat like you could say cancel culture is is the death of everybody and in some cases that's true but i think that's for people who 
usually, I mean, truly deserve it. Like, we're not talking about Harvey Weinstein, Roman Polanski. We're talking about like Robert Downey Jr., who did a lot of bad stuff and a lot of drugs and committed some a series of felonies like growing up. And now he's freaking Iron Man and everybody loves him. Rob Lowe was caught in bed with an underage woman and people love him now. Like, this is this is not going to kill Will Smith's career. It isn't. Like, and I, I do think there has to be some kind of consequence. I, I I don't know. I guess it's up to the academy to say whether or not this is enough. Uh, you know, I I mean, I mean, and honestly, people like, like I guess like, people like, like Will Smith. He's not he's he's not going anywhere. He's not going away. He'll be fine. You know, like it's fine. Yeah, and, and like <laughs> I said, I I, I think um, you know, the, the, like I said, they're not going to take his Oscar because they haven't taken it from these more horrible people. Yeah, uh, I think that's kind of a cop out. Like you could still take his Oscar and say like, we're sorry, we're not going to like accept this kind of behavior and this because th- that would be real punishment. Um, or real right. consequence, and I mean that's that's debatable of whether or not they they should, but I I I think it looks more severe than it is, and yeah. I don't think uh, I don't I don't think he's going to be banned for ten years. No, and I I think the punishment, like honestly, it's it's there's certainly punishment at least in public perception. It's worth mentioning, like every step of the way, Will Smith has offered um kindness and and stood in solidarity with all of these decisions every step of the way is really a statement that said i agree with the academy i'm so sorry for my actions i apologize to everybody who was there that night like i i took away attention from other people's like basically lifetime achievement like that you know like he never once has been a dick about this and like it would be so easy to get on instagram and post videos being mean about it you know or like no this is dumb or i think that like and start a fire and like no every step of the way he's responded with like at least kindness and good grace and like i think i think that will stand the test of time i really do i'm bummed he hit chris rock <laughs> i really wish he hadn't um you know and 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 now we're he's seeing the fallout from that like that's that's what this is. Now your stuff gets put on pause. You know, now now you're not invited to things you used to be invited to, at least in some capacity. So, you know, that's Will Smith. I don't I don't know if we'll talk much more about it after this story. Like this is probably 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 the end of it. Uh, at least unless some kind of radical news comes out about it. But um, then the next time we talk about this is when he gets back into the academy in five years. Yeah, like I I don't like, people like Will Smith, man. He's he, people like him. Like he's he's a likable dude. I, I before this event, I know I know a few people didn't like him. And honestly, like the biggest punishment, I think, comes from the fact that like this should have been a huge night for him. He has not been in a lot of great films. This is his first Academy Award for Best Actor. Like Will Smith winning an Oscar should have been a huge, exciting thing. And instead, it's been this awful, terrible moment in his life, and it's going to be that forever. And like. Mm-hmm. That sucks. <laughs> so the, like he, he has nobody to blame but himself, and that and that's that's a challenge. One last thing I wanted to mention is I read in the Variety article, or it was the uh, podcast uh, "Little Gold Men," which follows the Oscars. Yeah. Um, who they they actually the the podcasters actually attend the ceremony. They were there, and they were at the after party, and they said it was incredibly strange because they're. At the Variety after party, Will Smith was there, like dancing with his Oscar, like nothing had happened, and everyone was like, "Dude, it's you're acting like nothing happened," and we all know. Uh, but I, I think it was definitely he didn't maybe didn't think that it would be a huge deal the next day, because um, that you know I do think it's very strategic that it took a couple of days for the apology to come out and you know see what the fallout actually was. Yeah, I mean it's 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 hard to say. Yeah, I follow a couple of of uh, accounts on TikTok, and I know they're they're film TikTokers, so like they could just be being you know kind of contrarian to for for views. But 
they of of the ones that went and sat way up in the nosebleeds. They said, yeah, after party, bathroom, elevator, anywhere they went after that, it was all people were talking about. They were like the slap, like that's that was the whole night, like that that everybody's attention got turned to that because it was weird and everybody knew it was weird. And it's like I don't. I hope the Academy's got a better contingency plan next time somebody's assaulting a host on the Oscar stage. Yeah, and I, and I think that's <laughs> one like, of those big had, things. What do it's you like, do? Well, yeah, like who expects that? They had a rehearsal the night before. Like there was no assault. It was fine, you yeah. know. I, like, and now, and now, you know, they'll have a, a plan in place. They're like, well, if someone gets assaulted, this is what yeah. we're going to do, and they'll know what you know. You just you don't know until you know. Yeah, you don't know until you know. So. That'll be it, I think, for the Will Smith story and Slapgate here on Off Script again. Pending uh, any any <laughs> more tremendous news, uh, I, I it seems like he's genuinely apologetic, which you know I think is the right thing to do. So, uh, with that, we should move on to our final review. Hey, well, hold on, Andy, any thoughts on Slapgate? I mean, this is last. I'm I'm ready to move on. <laughs> I think I'm ready to move on. I think we're all ready to move on. Uh, with that, we should move on to our final review of the episode. Very excited to talk about this feature, Andy. Please take it away. Morbius. I should have died years ago. People all over the world have my disease. Uh, so this is finally the release of Morbius. This film has been two years delayed almost. It was supposed to come out in June of 2020, constantly delayed. It was most recently supposed to come out in January, which probably would have been a better time for it. Finally comes out uh, Morbius, which is about the Marvel character, Dr. Michael Morbius, who is Michael Morbius, who is half man, half like bat vampire. He's not Batman, despite all the bat imagery in the Lots of bats. Film. Lots of bats. Played by uh, the oft-hated uh, Jared Leto, also starring Matt Smith and Adria Arjona. Um, Dr. Michael Mo- Morbius uh, has this rare blood disease where he is... Uh, He's his body is weak and crippled. He has to use uh, his walking braces, um, and he's but he's a brilliant doctor, and he's att- you know attempting to find a cure for his disease. He also has a childhood friend played by Matt Smith named Milo, who also has the same disease and is also his benefactor in all his research. He eventually finds some sort of think there might be a cure involving some sort of Costa Rican bats, which he harvests and uh, you know is doing. Uh, probably illegal and ethically dubious experiments on and eventually find some sort of cure uh, that turns him basically half bat and heals him. He gives it makes him basically hu- superhuman, but also he has an insatiable, insatiable. Uh, he's got to drink blood. He's a vampire. <laughs> yes. Uh, so that, that's for blood. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Um, and, uh, so this this is kind of our, our setup. He's he he's a doctor. He's trying to help people. He's superhuman now, but he's got he's got to consume blood as a vampire. Not real sure who is, is he here to save the world or to hurt it. Uh, like I was gonna say, uh, Adria Arjona, who I thought was Lily James for the longest time, uh, plays uh, Martine Bancroft, who is his his assistant and doctor. Also stars a uh, Tyree Skipson and Al Madrigal as the. Uh, kind of cops who are hot on on the case. Zach, what do you think? <sighs> okay, so <laughs> Morbius isn't good. Uh, if you, I mean, if you've seen any <laughs> reviews, like if you've seen any Rotten Tomatoes, uh, like anything, you know this movie's bad, and it is. And and it, sometimes it's fun to do a bad movie on Oscar Film Review here and dunk on something that everybody else is dunking on. Uh, but for what it's worth, there are some things in here that are mildly redeemable. I, I think it's worth talking about the movie, and then maybe it's kind of 
general direction. Like, it's just so, like, paint by numbers. Like, so shamelessly, we're here to make money movie, you know? Like, and it's just, it just feels so soulless. <laughs> and somehow, like, it's three hours long, even though it is a tight 90 minutes. Um, Man, where do we, we where have, do we start? My gosh. Well, I, I'm going to start with plot. So we have all seen this movie before many times. Uh, you know, person A becomes superhuman, and then person B becomes superhuman, and they have to fight each other. Uh, notable examples are the Hulk from I think is 2007, uh, starred Edward Norton. Um, this plot has been used a lot. Actually, the other two Venom films are exactly like this. Uh, and also, also from Sony, from Sony. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. It's just super mediocre. Like it. I wish it was as terrible. Like Deep Water is a terrible, terrible movie. Uh, this Morbius is actually not as bad. It's just really like I said. Like Zach said, it's paint by number. It's mediocre. Super predictable. To me, the most interesting part is actually everything before it becomes Morbius. Like that because the first twenty five minutes or so is when he's you know he just has this disease and he has his a really kind of close friendship with Matt Smith's character Milo and he's you know working like he's more interesting not being Morbius than after that. Um, also, there's a ton of really kind of cringy and bad CGI. There's this smoke effect, which is like Michael Bay's uh, drone obsession. They were obsessed with using this smoky effect anytime ever, anyone like runs or dashes. Yeah. Um, a lot of the, the vampire facials look really terrible. Like when they he'll, he'll all of a sudden have vampire face out of nowhere and it just like it looks bad. The prosthetics are bad. Like it's just it's really poorly done. Yeah, uh, it seems like Sony like is this is just this is their lane with with the Spider-Man villain movies, right? They've got they've got the license to they got the film rights to Spider-Man and they got the film rights to a bunch of Spider-Man villains and like just like Venom, they're like we're just gonna paint do the most general, safest approach to a to a superhero movie we can while also simultaneously being about some kind of villain, and it's just so clumsy. Like the characters weak, the movies weak, the pacing's weak, the plots weak. Andy's right. Like it, it is exactly the story you've already seen. If you've seen the Hulk or any one of the twenty-eight Marvel movies, you have a pretty good idea of what's happening. I mean, they're not all the same, but like it fundamentally, yeah. Character is weak. Character gets powers. Character is strong. Character has to fight friend. Character defeats friend in CGI battle credits. You know, after credit scene, and then another after credit scene, which are particularly questionable for this film. It's a shame because. There's a world in which Jared Leto is not a bad actor, right? He won, he won Best Supporting Actor for Dallas Buyers Club. A really tremendous performance. Like, I've seen him put out good work. But it, as of late, and especially when he seems to be in the main character roles, like, he is just a miss. And, like, in this one, he, it just doesn't work. And he's right. Like, the first kind of 20-ish minutes, after you get through the kid flashback stuff, which is real weak, uh, he's, he's okay, right? He's kind of this crippled doctor, but, like, his face is all sunken in and you feel like, okay, yeah, he, he's all right. But yeah, once he gets his powers, like the movie has to juggle the other plot line for, you know, your kind of villain character, uh, as well as some kind of romantic love interest that's present here. Uh, and then also him like finding out more about his powers and you don't get a lot of that character interaction anymore. Right. And, and suddenly like, it's just really surface and it's really ham fisted and it's like, okay, yeah, we're, we're doing the movie thing. And that makes it, it also, a really tough 90 minutes. Like, it, it gets so boring in the middle. 
yeah it uh it rips off a ton of other movies you've seen uh yeah. reminded, reminded of alien the fly other kind of sci-fi movies sure. like i said like i said other ve- ve- the two venom films yep hulk the, the incredible hulk um yeah it, it borrows from a ton of other much better films I do want to talk about like kind of the presentation. Uh, it's it's real flat. It's real dark. Uh, and there's some decent sets in the movie. Uh, they're goofy, but like his little lab with like little tunnel of bats in the middle, like is kind of cool looking. You know, it, can, it doesn't make any sense, but uh, that stuff kind of works. And the lighting's kind of fun, but the action is pretty weak and and mostly CGI. Uh, the smoke effect is kind of neat, but a little overwrought. And interestingly, there's no, as far as I know, no physical prosthetics in this movie. It's all CGI, which is weird because the same year this was made, uh, he also made House of Gucci, which was with Rome. What's his it's name? It's a yeah. meme, Morbius. Right. It's all Paolo. Yeah. And that's all physical prosthetics. Uh, but he wanted to go the other way here. And was like, no, no, no. We should do CGI for Morbius, which like looks pretty good. If you're watching the video version of the show on, on Facebook or YouTube, or if you've seen the trailer uh, for Morbius, you can see like, it looks all right. Yeah. It looks okay. But um, it just, it like somehow it feels even cheaper, you know, like, cause it's just like, oh yeah, CGI green screen, you know, like, and that doesn't, that doesn't help the experience at all. Yeah. It, it's, it's really not good. The action is just, uh, also not like there aren't really fight scenes. No, uh, it's, it's mostly just Morbius eat, eat like, you know, beating people up. <laughs> get getting drink their blood uh and yeah. then you know he's he's got to do he's got to do the the you know fight his equal in a cgi battle that's kind of snooze and, and again there's like also the, the weird thing about the movement they're like super fast and can kind of fly and uh yeah, it's not not very well done i mean i, I think there's no. kind of a kind of an interesting premise here but you would have to you know you would have to give the marvel treatment or something there's a better there's a plot device kind of in the middle that's interesting. This this movie deals a lot, or I think at one point before it hit the, the final round of editing or something, I feel I feel like it dealt a lot with time. There's a lot of scene transitions that open on clocks, um, which is weird. Uh, and and additionally, like once he kind of gets his powers, our our doctor doctor Michael Morbius discovers that he has to drink blood every like six hours. And if he drinks artificial blood, then he can make it every like four hours. But that time ticks down and eventually he's going to turn into Morbius and he's going to have to get some real blood no matter what. So he's kind of fighting off this like vampiric element in himself. Lots of jokes about Dracula, which are all ham fisted and none of them are funny. Um, But at least that's kind of interesting. And then like (laughs) coming up on our like turn into third act, they just completely drop that. They just completely obey. He's got like a watch. He sets a timer on like he's checking. He's got a notebook. He's writing down times in and then they just completely abandon that. And they're like, whatever. We're on the fast track to fight the bad guy now. Um, And I don't know what that is. I'm like, at some point there was something here and it just doesn't go anywhere. It's really it's really distracting. Yeah, I I think you're supposed to just kind of assume that, oh, he's going to feast on bad guys. Just bad. He's going to. Yeah. Which is a problem. They, yeah, like, they, they 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 do they do kind of uh, abandon that plot. Yes. Point. Yeah, and and that's another problem. Like, how are do you have a character who's at least mildly redeemable also be like a bad guy? And the answer is uh, the guys he eats in this movie are all bad dudes anyway. <laughs> this is very clumsily explained to you uh, by a police officer in the film. He's like, oh, those guys were bad. Those are mercenaries. Like they they deserved it. But the innocent people, I mean, nothing can happen to them, right? So like he's trying to. 
thread the needle where he's only eating bad guys. And it's, it's kind of the same thing as Venom. It's like, at some point, y'all have to be bad. At some point, y'all have to be unredeemable because Peter Parker's going to have to fight you. You know, like, and when that happens, we're going to have issues. And speaking of Peter Parker, this movie very clumsily uh, shoehorns in <laughs> a, uh, a, a Michael Keaton appearance that is much more teased in the trailer, uh, in all of the trailers. They made it look like he was going to be a bit more of, of this movie. And like, my God, uh, he's in it even less than the trailer showed. Like, they didn't they didn't even use the footage they had of him in it. It's crazy. Yeah, the, uh, it's funny because they, they try to get in on the multiverse thing and there's some really bad CGI of like the sky cracking. Yeah. Open and I was like, oh, yeah, they really did that on a budget. And then, yeah, the vulture is, is ham, ham fistedly shoved into the movie, and kind of he says, oh, well, we got to worry about Spider Man. And some he mentioned Spider Man at some point, so I yeah. guess Spider Man will reluctantly team up against team these, up and fight like, Spider Man against yeah. these E list villains and like. They better hope. I hope they make a much better movie. I tell you what, honestly, watching it, I, I, I genuinely thought to myself, okay, like, Vulture is, is, is fine to fight Spider Man. I'm fine. Michael Keaton to fight Spider Man again. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if they should make another Morbius standalone movie. I still think they should put Morbius in Sinister Six though, just for the meme potential. Because like at this point, I mean, people were talking about the summer Morbius. By God, like people thought Morbius was going to be huge. Since that, since it's come out, it's had a huge dip at the box office. Uh, it's not doing great in the second week, um, and people are not going to see it. Like the 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 meme wave has died. But as a member of the Sinister Six, like I think it could work. What the hell, right? Like throw Jared Leto's Morbius in there. I don't care. Like he could throw yeah, bats at Spider Man. What... Like you know, shit. Like I'm yeah, it could work. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that that's the place for, you know, C-list, D-list villains is you put yeah. them in a group movie. You don't give them their own uh, standalone. Uh, this might have, I can't think if this would have done any better two years ago. Probably not. Uh, this is still trying to ride off Spider-Man a little bit and it's still doing poorly, Yeah. So. I looked it up. The original release date for this move, July 2020. So nearly two years, like just shy of two years ago, this was supposed to come out. And yeah, superhero movies looked a little different at that point. Like we were used to a lot more, uh, I don't know, uh, <laughs> a lot more phoned in performances. But then we had a pandemic and now people want the goods. Um, and Morbius is not the goods, man. It is it is a weak, a weak showing. Um, but it still made $75 million, or what, $40 million opening weekend? Yeah. Uh, we're going to have to see how yeah. it does overseas. Um, Venom killed it overseas, so Morbius will probably do well over there as well. It's a good safe movie for audiences that don't want to see things that are homophobic <laughs> or, or, or pro, uh, I, I guess pro-gay, right? Chinese and Russian audiences aren't going to need anything censored out of this. They're going to they, they can just go straight to their movie theaters, and they, they're going to love it. So uh, I don't know. What, what do you think of the odds are we getting another one of these, Andy? Very low. I don't think we're, we're going to. So th this made... Uh... About seventy-five million internationally on its uh, opening weekend. Uh, it needs to double that to just break even, and it, it probably will, or maybe just fall short of it. Uh, it's definitely falling hard and fast. Yeah, yeah. I heard it has something like a seventy-five percent drop off in box office returns from the first week to the second week, which is like brutal. Like you don't <laughs> normally movies aren't don't have that bad of a fall off, but I think yeah, all the all the teenagers. All, all, all the kids who saw the memes went and saw it and laughed, and now it's like it's it's tumbling fast. So we'll see. Um, I think it's funny we saw Morbius and uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula in the same week. 
It is funny. Yeah, we went and saw Bram Stoker's Dracula at the Texas Theater, which uh, we'll talk about that right before the end of the show because I do have hot takes. Um, but otherwise, um, I mean, an unimpressive, unimpressive score. Uh, did we talk about the cast at all? I, I mean, I guess not really. I, d- I did want to take a moment to talk about and, them. Yeah, uh, yeah. J- Jared Leto as our lead. Matt Smith as Milo, his friend. Uh, who's one of the, I think one of the best parts of the movie. Uh, he's got a dance sequence in the middle of the movie that's like surprisingly engaging. I was like, oh, this is actually a decent, this is a decent scene. And Jared Harris as a doctor who's way too good for this movie. Like he, he's, he's acting circles around our characters. Like every time he showed up, I was like, oh God, Jared Harris, what are you doing? Like you win Emmys. <laughs> like, why, are you on, why are you on screen with these characters? Uh, and Adria, our, our, our Jonah, our, I'm not sure as, as Martine Bancroft, a bit of a bit of a love interest for Dr. Michael Morbius. She's I swore pretty it was good. James, I mean, the whole like half the movie. <laughs> yeah, like she's she's fine. And also Tyrese Gibson coming hot off the set of, of Fast and Furious as a, a bumbling police officer who can't get it together. So, you know, basically his character in Fast and Furious. Uh, otherwise, not a whole lot going on in Morbius. Um, I don't know. Any, any other thoughts? I think I'm ready. Andy, would you recommend Morbius? Absolutely not. Hard pass. Hard pass. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're a you know comic book Marvel completionist, uh, maybe check, but definitely wait till it's on streaming. Don't waste your money at a at a theater. Although I saw it for five dollar Tuesdays, so um, definitely see it for as cheap as as you possibly can if you're interested. But uh, I would say hard pass for anyone else. Yeah, uh, same here. Hard pass. Uh, not not an enjoyable time at the movies. Feels like that it's just dragging. I told Andy right before we started the show, like there, there's a about halfway through the movie, there's a spat between Morbius and kind of the villain, and it's it's the setup for the final act, right? Like I'll get you next time, and they zoom off into the sunset, and they got to get a plan together. And I genuinely thought that was the end of the movie. I was like, all right, you know what? Pretty harmless. Like, here we go. Rolling right into the final scene. No, no. That's like halfway through. <laughs> and there was another 45 minutes of just filler and junk to go. I was like, oh, God. Like, this is this is not great. Don't don't waste your time. You're not missing anything. Uh, it's got a 16 on Rotten for a reason. <laughs> Hard pass on my... Don't even watch it when it comes to streaming. It's not It's not good, so... That's that's Morbius. Uh, and that's our show. That's episode 172 of Offscript. Andy, what are we watching next week? So, um, well, the big release is Fantastic Beasts, uh, Crime, not Crimes, uh, Secrets of Dumbledore, which we are not seeing, but that is uh, coming out this week if you are interested. Uh, we're going to be taking a look at the Oscar-winning film, Coda, which is on Apple TV Plus and also video on demand um, streaming services. And we're also going to be taking a look at Memoria, which uh, we talked about briefly a while ago, which stars Tilda Swinton. And uh, was a very kind of mysterious uh, film that this is going to be playing at uh, Texas Theater, uh, directed by uh, Apichatapong. Oh my God, are you going for it? Oh my God, I was going to pull it up here. And this is, uh, let me see if I can get his name. I, <laughs> I have no I've idea. Only, I've heard that. it. I, we got to figure that out before we I, review it. I don't. I've heard it. I've dude. heard it pronounced several times. That's the only reason I can say it. Good lord! Um, I could for you. Yeah, I saw that pop up on uh, screen when we were watching trailers. Like, oh wow! Like that is a. I mean, (laughs) my god! Good for them. That's a name. Just to remind uh, people uh, about this, uh, stars Tilda Swinton stars as a woman who is uh, in uh, Columbia, kind of researching or teaching or something, finding herself, and she begins to hear this very strange thumping sound, this kind of otherworldly huge bang, and like she's the only one that hears it 
and it's kind of a mystery of like what what this is which was very mysterious this film made the rounds literally one screen at a time this was like this weird strategy they had and now it's finally kind of opening wider um so we're anxious to see it see what it's all about definitely looks like slow bold cinema Um, yeah we'll be back with an important report on that it looks like the kind of film where like the scene only changes, like the shot only changes every 18 seconds and there's nothing happening in frame. and It's all cerebral, uh, bold cinema. It's fine. So we're going to be going to see that the glorious Texas theater, which by the way, we saw the trailer for that again at the Texas theater this last week when we went and saw Bram Stoker's Dracula. So a brief aside for that, cause I know we're right at the end of the show and I probably should tease this better. This is our second time watching Dracula. Not, not really for the show, but my second time watching it. Uh, Andy's, I don't know, umpteenth time watching this. I was excited to go see this again because the first time we watched it, I was not that into it. (laughs) I knew the visuals were cool, but it wasn't that great. And so when it came to theaters again, I thought, well, you know, there's no, this is the only chance I have of loving this movie. If the, if it's a particularly visual film, seeing it on the big screen will do wonders for it. And it totally did. Uh, I have since turned around on Dracula. So for the record, Dracula's good stuff, dude. (laughs) This is very, very cinematic, very out there, very out there. Yeah. Wow. Um, but really cool. I need to go back and listen to my old review and, and, and see how Scott, see how I felt about it back then. Cause I, I feel differently now. I like that movie super good, man. 30 years old this year, 30 years old. And as far as I know, only one optical effect. Otherwise everything was done in camera. I, I went back and watched red letter media's uh, review episode on it. Um, I know you posted a, a behind the scenes thing. I need to go back and watch it. Some, some of the making of like it's, it, they got nuts on that movie. Like just yeah. huge the, budget. The amazing. My God crazy the amazing thing one is like that that cast those are all still those were big stars then those are all still big stars then if you had a movie with the five of them it, you know you'd be going crazy again winona Ryder, county reeves at kind of like their peak when they were you know, yeah. really the hot the hot Gary young Hopkins, actors gary oldman i mean carrie elwes good lord yeah yeah solid cast uh, who's all around. who yeah a who's who yeah indeed uh with that and well hold on Andy, any any thoughts coming coming back on it i mean i've seen it a couple times but we're here we're talking about really Dracula. great to see on, on the big screen with with big sound the sound is a, a huge part of it the score yeah um dracula is kind of impossible to understand half the time like i've watched it with subtitles and i still wasn't sure like what he said half the time in the movie yeah. um anthony hopkins is you don't think of it cuz he's not dracula he's not the main Guy, but he is like turned up to eleven and is kind of crazy and insane. Uh, his his own self and even minor roles like Tom Waits as as Renfield, uh, Dracula's like minion, also like going for the Oscar as well. Like it's it's Shakespeare, so just yeah. Really insane. And I and I and I can't imagine in like seeing that in 19, like thirty years ago a movie like that coming out. So reportedly, yeah. Meanwhile, Ke- Keanu Reeves and, and Winona Ryder are like. I mean, Keanu Reeves is brutally bad in this movie. It's, uh, yeah. but, but report, I, I, I thought this was interesting, bit of trivia. Uh, reportedly, the, the reason Francis Ford Coppola came across the script is because Renona Wright has sent it to him because they wanted to work together, but she was busy shooting something when he was making something else. And she sent him this script, like, hey, what do you think about this? And he was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of good. And Keanu Reeves basically got cast because he was the hotness. Like, it was just, nope, you're, you're, you're up and coming in Hollywood. Pete, you'll sell tickets. You should do it. And reportedly, there was a world where they were going to have Johnny Depp play that main role. And I think that would have been. Genuinely would have been. I mean, anybody would have been better than Keanu Reeves. Like in, in drag, he's so bad, uh, brutal. Like just, oh god. Everyone in the scenes, I was like, Keanu, please, <laughs> give me, give me something good. Yeah. Brad um, Pitt could have Brad. Oh god, yeah. Anybody, anybody would have been better. So, 
that's Dracula. We'll come back to it again at some point, I'm sure. Uh, but but I'm excited that I've come around on it since. Go see go see old movies in big theaters. It, it's good for you, all right? It helps you grow as a person and uh, helps grow your, your cinematic opinion. And speaking of your cinematic opinion, if you've enjoyed listening to the show today, you can follow us on Facebook where we live stream the show every week. You can follow us on YouTube where we post our live streams. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, and we're on all the usual podcast platforms. But if you want to keep yourself a well-rounded cinematic individual, you want to learn more about Bold Cinema and keep, uh, keep up with what we're doing here, keep up with what's hot at the movies, just subscribe. Subscribe to Oscript Film Review to get new episodes delivered straight to your phone every single week. And, uh, you know, drop us a rating and review while you're at it. We'd really appreciate it. From all of us at Oscript, the home of Bolt Cinema, I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for watching.